The unusual way Chester Dunbar's will is set up, I said. Everyone in the family, including yourself, would benefit from Elder's death. A quarter of a million is a lot of money. Split five ways, chicken feed compared to a mill, right? I suppose so. Isn't a million what you'd inherit if Wake died? She batted that away, the red nails blurring past me. He's healthy as a horse, my loving husband. No, Mike, I gotta wait this one out, just a few more years. But I hear Wake is talking divorce now. She shook her head, all that hair bouncing. She wore lime green plastic earrings. Not going to happen. He's not going to embarrass himself. It's all a bluff. Embarrass himself? Why? Her expression flickered. Perhaps she'd spoken too freely. She said, Well, not because I'm a little round-heeled whore, as he so affectionately likes to call me. Not that. And I had it. Separate bedrooms, trips nightly into the village, those delicate features, the artistic bent. Wake was gay. Madeline was his live-in beard. Only she wasn't behaving. But could he risk outing himself in a divorce case? I understand, I said carefully, that Wake's had a few narrow scrapes of late. She shrugged. Not that he's told me about. Of course, we don't exactly communicate much. I told her about the broken step and the hole in the brake hose. She was frowning now. And Wake's implying I'm responsible? Not necessarily, I lied. You ever consider he might be trying to make me look bad? It did occur to me. Could I offer some friendly advice? It's free and worth every penny. She nodded, and all that lush red hair came along. I said, Try to work out a settlement with Wake. He's got fifty grand a year coming in, and he's selling his paintings both here and in the village. Come to an agreement for a monthly sum. Come to an agreement of what your share of the trust fund money will be. Then legally separate so that you out having fun doesn't embarrass him or make you look bad. This was the second time tonight a beautiful woman had looked at me with the blankness that conceals thought. Then she said, You're a nice man, Mike, a caring human being. I get that a lot. She rose and went to the door and clicked the knob lock. The room was already dimly lit. She positioned herself between me and the TV and provided substitute entertainment, pulling the fuzzy sweater off and revealing twin brawless globes of flesh with tiny hard tips. The sweater she tossed off with casual abandon. The capri pants came off with a little more effort, requiring a kind of shimmy. The only thing she had on were the lime green earrings. She stepped out of the little capri pile and put her head back and her hands on her hips, legs apart, the thatch so red it burned. Would you rather hump a man? She asked. No, I said. She came over and sat sideways in my lap and nuzzled my neck. I gave her a kiss to show I appreciated the effort, but then I held her face in my hands and said, A lovely girl like you has nothing to prove. Tears glittering like gems, she nodded. I kissed her again, then made a hasty exit. Damn, this lousy case came complete with hot and cold running dames. I went up to my bedroom and climbed in the rack and tried not to think about what I'd just walked away from.